0: Would you do me a huge favor right now and welcome all of those who are logged in online with us live on Facebook and through our website? I am so honored that people take the time to, to log in with us and stay in front of a screen with us, listen to the word, even engage in worship. Some incredible stories of what God's doing through that ministry. And I am thankful for the very first campus that we've ever planted. It's right there online and people are able to log in with us. Turn into your Bibles, Matthew chapter 5. <clears throat> I'm going to look just right in. We're going to hone in on verse 16. And then I'm going to share. The message for this morning with you we're going to dive right in if you will you can read this along with me you don't have to say it out loud I just want you to let it simmer in your heart verse 16 of Matthew chapter 5 it says let your light so shine before men can you see that picture That you are surrounded by people that God has put in your path. Now watch this. He didn't put you in their path. He put them in your path. You are surrounded by these people that have been put in your path before others. And you are the light of God that resonates around that sphere of influence that God has placed around you. That they may what? That they may see your good. You could even just... You could just pause right there. That that light that is shining before other people is the good that God is placing. Well, there's a lot of good in the world. Yeah, but the Bible says that every good gift comes from above and we say, we know that the father's light the light of god is the good in man and the only reason that we have any good in us is because of the father's grace Now, watch this they may see your good works and glorify your father in heaven Now, over the last couple of weeks, we've been learning. I'm just going to give you this one sentence summary that basically catches you right up. If you haven't been able to be here, or you've been out, or or you just missed this phrase. But here you go for the last two weeks. God subjected his glory to our good. In the very beginning, the glory of God was subject to the obedience of man. I want you to not do this one thing. But when man did that, God's glory was subjected to the disobedience of Adam and the woman. And therefore, mankind was subjected to the lack of God's glory. I don't know why I chose to do it that way. But I know that he's a good, good father. And I know that he is perfect in all of his ways. So he had a plan. There was some reason that God was willing to subject his glory to our good. If God's glory is subject to our good, then watch this. My lack of repentance can lead to others' rebellion. My repentance... And the, and the fact that I don't just repent this one time, but I'm, I'm in this lifestyle of repentance where I'm continually letting God prune away what's not supposed to be and, and place what is supposed to be. But my lack of repentance, if I for whatever reason decide to stop listening to the voice of God or stop being obedient to the voice of God, who's going to suffer? First and foremost, my bride. Second, my children, and my lack of repentance in that area will affect my children. It will lead to their ultimate rebellion. Finally, and this is just If I stop repenting, if I stop listening to God, if I stop growing in who he's called me to be, it will affect an entire church. Listen, there is a church inside of you. There is a sphere of influence inside of you and their rebellion or their repentance is based on your influence because God subjected his glory to your good. And if you will repent and keep on repenting, then they will follow your example and become like Jesus as well. I don't want others to rebel. It breaks my heart when I watch what happens in the lives of other people because of their lack of obedience or because of just complete disobedience. It hurts me on the inside because I want to give them. I just want to pick them up and say, hey, look, just come with me. We'll try to figure this thing out together. Well, that's what we should all be doing that we should all want to partner with someone in this life so that we make sure that as many people as God has placed in our path repent instead of rebelling. Often, the number one thing that leads to rebellion is a circumstance or a situation not going the way that we expected it to. Today, I want to talk to you about going from being harmed to being used for others' healing. I'm gonna set upon this phrase today that what was meant for your harm, God can use to heal. What was meant to hurt you and harm you, God can flip the script on the world and the enemy and use it to bring your healing and the healing of everyone that He has put around you. Quickly, Mark chapter 16, verse 15 through 18, Jesus said to them, The disciples, if you can't flip there fast enough, you can follow on the screen or just write it down. I believe this is where we're going in the next series. I want to let this settle on us, and I want this to be our burden, our heart for this fall. The Bible says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That's kind of weird. Like, why should I preach the gospel to every creature? I was talking to a man just this past week, and we were talking about who we should share the gospel with and like how to practice the gospel. And he said, brother, my dog has gotten saved 17 times. okay? Because I just didn't have anybody else around to practice on. I used to have teenagers come to me and they'd say, Pastor Chris, I don't know how to study the Bible. How do I study the Bible? And I said, write sermons. If you will write sermons around the topics that you struggle with, Write yourself a message and start sharing that message with other people. Then you will begin to learn the scripture. Verse 16, he who believes and is baptized will be saved. Now, we're not going to get an entire doctrine hung up on this one scripture. We're going to keep it in the heart of, of God's entire word. But he who does not believe, okay, he who does not believe, like put himself into the belief shall be condemned. I don't want that for anyone. I certainly don't want it for people who sit in a congregation every Sunday. I certainly don't want it for people that know the truth and for whatever reason only apply parts of it to their lives or for whatever reason stop applying all of it to their lives. Verse 17. The Bible says these, si- these signs will follow those who believe because signs show what we really believe. These signs shall follow in my name. They will cast out demons and they will speak with new tongues. Now listen, I want you to understand that this passage of Scripture is just as practical as it is powerful. Sometimes, especially as a Pentecostal movement, we get so hung up on the powerful and the demons and the diseases and all the things, right, that the scripture talks about, that we forget that one of the most important fruits of that spirit is a sound mind, self-control, just learning how to be stable and steadfast. Power, yes, absolutely. Pursue that power. Don't be settled with less than anything that is God's absolute best. Love, oh, the church can work on that one. And a sound mind. Why does it always seem that the most spiritual people are the most crazy people? That should not be. The most spiritual people should also be the people with the most sound mind. Why does it seem like the most spiritual people are the most emotional people? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Some of y'all have been raised in it long enough. No, the most spiritual people, the one that walk with the Holy Spirit, they should be the people that exhibit the most self-control. And then when you get delivered, it's I, I have seen people be delivered. Not like I've seen one or two in my entire life where there was like a literal manifestation of something significantly evil that was revealing itself and we laid hands on that person and cast that demon out and it took longer than it should have it may have been our faith I'm not sure what was going on maybe that person was holding on tighter than they should have I don't know I have seen that but watch this even more importantly I have seen teenagers that were bound by the demon of pornography and fornication delivered and set free I have seen people's purity restored. I have seen the demon of divorce in a home be reconciled in one session in the name of Jesus Christ. I have seen the demon of alcoholism be broken in an instant. I've seen the demon of addiction. Do you get where I'm going? It's not all about this super spiritual stuff that is powerful and is available. Sometimes it's just about getting that broken heart to say, Jesus, I'm going to give you one chance. I'm going to give you a chance. And then they will speak in new tongues. Now, I, I believe that that scripture is, is applicable to the Holy Spirit and, and speaking in tongues in the spirit language. But watch this. What if they just stop talking tomorrow the way that they were talking yesterday? How powerful is that? If, if on, on Saturday they were using their tongue to speak death over their children, but on Monday they used their tongue to speak the life-giving breath of Jesus Christ over their bride, over their babies, over their family, over their friends, that is a new tongue that would not have existed if it were not for the power of God that is a sign for the unbeliever. That's the significance of this stuff. These signs shall follow the speaking new tongues. They'll take up serpents. I'm going to get to that because I'm that's not okay anyways. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. This scripture is just as practical as it is powerful. We cannot negate the one for the other. We can't be emotional and angry and call it spiritual. We have to be as people that are filled with power. Love. And a sound mind. Self-control. Most of the time I spend in ministry over the last decade or so is, is doing one of two things. It's, I'm either calling those who don't know Jesus To repent and come to know Jesus in like a harsh biblical form. I'm I'm, to use Christianese, which I try to avoid when I'm I'm talking to people that don't know Jesus the way that I do. But if you heard that one phrase, is is like speaking to them where they are. But now we'll make it churchy to call sinners to repent. I spend a lot of time on that. The other biggest thing that I that I probably spend more time on is calling. The church to rise up and live as the church. Not to just have a really good Sunday morning or a really good Wednesday night, not to just say that they believe it, but to show it. And these signs will follow. Watch this. Christians can be confident. What is a Christian? A, a Christ follower. Or let's make it personal, right? A follower of Jesus. A follower of the one that gave his life for me, a follower of Jesus, can be confident even when it costs. If you're taking notes this morning, number one, believers can be boldest in brokenness. I know that's not great grammar. I know. I struggled with it in my office. I was like, God, that, I don't like that. He's like, just write it. I was like, okay. Because I wanted it to flow and I wanted it to make sense. Believers, what I wanted to write was believers can be even more bold in their brokenness. That's what I wanted to write. But God said, just write. Believers can be boldest. The boldest believers, their belief comes alive in their brokenness. They don't start to question it, but it's okay to question it if you have to. But for the believer, the one who stands upon Christ, the solid rock, their boldness comes out in the midst of their brokenness because they understand that the wounds of Jesus are greater than the wounds of life. Acts chapter 28, I'm going to read as quickly as possible. Lord, help me. This is when the apostle Paul was on a boat and the boat was shipwrecked. If you ever feel really bad about your life, go do a study on the life of the Apostle Paul. If you ever want to preach the blessing of the Lord and how everything just turned to sugars and rainbows whenever I gave my heart to God, it really did. No, no, no. Go and, go and study the life of the Apostle Paul that lost everything just to accomplish something for the kingdom of God. Paul says... When we had escaped, when the escape was made from the shipwreck, like we found ourselves on an island called Malta. Verse 2, and the natives there showed us unusual kindness. See, just because you don't see God's favor in something doesn't mean that it's not there. Paul could have very easily been bound by the fact that he was just shipwrecked and he was imprisoned. For the sake of the gospel, that he had been beaten five times and he was about to give his life and be martyred because of what he believed. But instead of being focused on that, he's like, hey, these guys are being really nice. (laughs) They gave us unusual kindness. He found the favor even when he didn't feel like he was being favored. For they kindled a fire and and they made us all welcome because of the rain that was falling and because of the cold. Now watch this. Verse 3. But when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat. Listen to this. Listen, listen. Every time that you get on fire for God, every time that you take a log and you begin to light the fire of God inside of you, that heat is going to draw the enemy's attention. And he's going to try to hold on because of the fire. Because he knows that if he can quench your fire, then he can get you back where he had you, where you were just a pile of sticks with no influence. So he latches on in the midst of the fire. Because of the heat, the viper came out, and he fastened on his hand. Watch this. So verse 4. So when the natives saw the creature hanging from his hand, I, look, If the natives are losing it right now if they're watching me because I am doing some sort of Pentecostal jig they didn't even know existed. I am flipping and flailing and screaming. I, I may just be on the ground with my tongue hanging out. Uh, I mean, if a viper latches onto me, my evening's like, the power of God is going to need to take its place, because in that moment, Chris is going to look like a three-year-old little girl, okay? (laughs) So the natives are watching this thing hanging from his hand, and they said to one another, this guy's a murderer. He's a bad dude. Why does even the church have the same mentality of the world sometimes, well, man, if they'd stop living that way, then that stuff would stop happening. You know, it might get worse because the enemy comes at them harder. Sometimes God wants to use our circumstance to change the way that we think, the way that we perceive. They saw, they said, this guy's a murderer. Though he has escaped the sea, justice is, Does not allow him to live. But watch this. Verse 5. But he shook off the creature into the... We'll get back to it. And it suffered him no harm. Verse 6. However, they were expecting that he would swell up or suddenly fall down dead. But after they had looked for a long time, they're like watching and anticipation like a new believer... Or a person that receives the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Or a person that has an incredible encounter and recommits or rededicates their life to God. Everybody around them is watching the work of the enemy. Try to bring them back down. Oh, their fire's going to run out. They're going to lose that zeal. It'll just be a couple of weeks, maybe a month or two. Oh, I've seen it before. Listen, don't you let the naysayers rob your fire. Don't you let the naysayers rob you of your self-control. Don't you let the naysayers or the doubters discourage you back to what God has delivered you from. Do you understand what I'm saying this morning? Let them watch. Let them keep an eye out on you because the fire of God that's burning on the inside is bigger than the fire of the enemy that's trying to burn you on the outside. The Bible says after they watched and they saw no harm, They changed their minds and said, He's a God. He's a God. So we're either under-promoting or over-promoting every time. But I don't want you to miss this morning that the viper that came out of the fire was dealt with by being put back in the fire. So when the viper... Or the enemy and the serpent tries to latch on to you in this life, especially when you're building a fire for God, when you go to give and you don't see immediately immediate results. When you begin to serve, and you don't feel as fulfilled as you thought you were going, when you give your life to God, and situations get more difficult than better just immediately, you stay the course and know that that is the enemy trying to latch itself onto you because the fire of God was beginning to be stoked in your life, and the enemy couldn't stay hidden in your closet any longer. He had to come out and reveal and expose himself. But when he tries to latch on, what you do is you get you another log, you build a bigger fire and you put that devil back where he came from and let the fire of God consume him and do it as many times as you have to do it. The fire that the viper came out of was the same fire that God used to deal with the viper. You keep the fire of God stoked in your heart. Don't be distracted. Don't be discouraged. I'm going to read 7, 8, 9, and 10 real quick. In that region, there was an estate of the leading citizen of the island whose name was Publius. I think that's how you say that. Who received us and entertained us courteously for three days. Watch this. What what the devil meant to harm, God can use to heal. Watch. Verse 8. And it happened that the father... Of Publius lay sick of a fever and dysentery. That brother's uncomfortable. (laughs) I'm just saying. Like I can handle a headache and fever. Well, my head hurt and that just sounds uncomfortable. Paul went into him and he prayed. And he laid his hands on him and healed him. Hang on, watch this. Hang on. Wasn't that the same hand? that was just afflicted by the enemy? Wasn't that the same hand that put sticks on the fire? Wasn't that the same person that was just calling out to God a minute ago, but then we saw the enemy attack them, and now they're rising up to become more than they ever would have been had the enemy not came against them, and the fire of God become bigger in their lives because of the attack? Wasn't that the same hand the viper was just flailing from? Isn't that the hand that was supposed to be dead? Isn't that the hand that was supposed to be gone? Isn't that the hand that was supposed to be afflicted? I'm telling you that what the enemy meant for harm, God can make good if you'll keep the fire of God lit in your life and deal with that enemy based on what's inside of you and not on what you see. The same hand... That the enemy tried to strike and latch onto was now being used to pray for the sick and see God move. What was meant for harm, God can use to heal. Verse 9 So when this was done, the rest of those on the island who had diseases also came and they were healed. Now everybody's coming to church. No, 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 no. They weren't coming to church. They were coming to the church that Jesus had placed inside of the person. They weren't coming to a temple. They weren't coming to a building. They weren't coming to a steeple. They were coming to the ministry of Jesus Christ inside of the man of Jesus Christ. And what God did in and through Paul, He can do in and through you if you will just continue to put sticks on the fire, stay the course, and don't let that thing burn out. I'm telling you right now today, what the enemy meant to harm you and rob you, even as hurtful as it may have been, as painful as it may have been, God wants to use to bring healing, not just to you, but to everybody. Verse 10 says, they honored us in many ways. And when we departed, they provided, they provided such things as were necessary. The doubters became the providers in the midst of the discouragement. Because they stayed the course. Well, listen, I, I don't really like to talk about snakes a whole lot. I don't really like to see them unless I'm in my vehicle, and they're on the road. And if you pass a snake like we did yesterday, and Eric May goes, "Wow, did you see that cotton mouth going across the road?" And I was sitting in the back. I was like, "No. did you hit him?" He said, "No." I said, "Why not?" <laughs> don't drive past a snake and not run it over." and don't stop and get out and look at it. I was on the phone with my brother not too long ago. He's my middle brother, he's my dad's um, uh, second son and uh and I was on the phone with him and I think we were on speaker phone. I think Pastor West or no, Pastor John was in the in the truck with me and he's riding down the road and and I think I guess we're kindred spirits when it comes to snake because he's in mid-sentence and he goes, "Whoa!" And I was like, what, dude? He goes, "This just hit a snake. I just ran over a snake. I'm like, dude, what, what do you mean? Are you on a bicycle? Why are you screaming? no, <laughs> like, Yo, it was huge. <laughs> i like, okay, don't get out of the car. Keep going. It's not a big deal. Can you finish your sentence? I was really into that story. It's, I, I just don't like them. Now, I, I grew up frog gigging. I actually just grew up frogging. Okay, we didn't use a gig. We used a spotlight and our right hand, which I missed a lot. And that made my stepdad matter than it probably should have. <laughs> but he would be on the motor, right? And he would <laughs> up to that frog. And I'd be, somebody would be spotlighting, right? And we'd have him. And then he would kind of shut it down and, and get up real close. <laughs> And they, he wouldn't stop the boat. So it's like you got to have the right timing to dive over the edge, grab the frog, or he's going under the boat and you're going to come out and who knows what's around the frog, right? I never thought of that until just now. Do you know what water moccasins eat mainly? <laughs> yeah, I know now. Okay, so we're going up to the thing, and and we grab the frog, and so I tell my friends in Arkansas when we move up there to to try to deliver them from their demonic worship of the hog, and so we got there as missionaries to a foreign land, but I said, look, I was finding some common ground. I grew up frog hunting. I love to go frog hunting. I love to grab. Well, I was in a boat, and we had a spotlight, right? We'd go across the water. Let's go frog hunting. I'm like, okay, cool. So I show up to go frogging, thank you, and I would, uh, and, and, and I'm like looking around, and, and I see their trucks, I'm like, where's your boat? Like, we don't use a boat. Chris uses a boat, like we went over this, like, I don't have to have a gig, but like aluminum's important here, like I'm not Jesus, hadn't walked on water recently, and he said, no, 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 we get our four-wheelers. Some of you know this. We drive the levees, and then we spot the frog. And I was like, well, then you get in a boat and go over to it? He goes, is your boat out on the levee? He's like, no, no, no. We get down in the water, and we go over to the frog. I'm terrified. I'm scared to death. Because I know that four foot of weeds represents a hiding place, Okay. And so they get out. We spot a frog, and, and I'm trying to like make it because I'm with these guys, and they're like, "All right, go grab them, you know, because I told them I grabbed the frog and I didn't use a the gig. They just stood on the levee and used a gig. I was like, "No, I'll grab it. I'll grab it." <laughs> So I get down, and I go through the weeds, and I'm like, and I'm like spotting stuff in front of me, and a spider moves. I'm good, okay, and so I get down, and I catch a frog, no big deal, and then I watch him do it. He's like, all right, man, that was cool. It's it's my turn. So I'm like spotlighting, and he's going to get the frog, and And I'm watching around him, and all this, like, there's a snake swimming around him. And, dude, I'm like, I'm watching this guy. I'm like, bro, there's a snake behind you. He's like, (laughs) He's like, it's just a snake. It's just a water snake. Well, you can't see it. It's underwater snake is what it is. You don't know what that is. It's swimming around you. You're going to a frog. He's probably trying to get there before you do. So he just kicked. Y'all, I'm telling you, I'd have been like the lizard on the National Geographic channel running across the top. <laughs> I'd have been gone. So we go, we gig the frogs, we catch the frog, and, and it's this same guy not too many months later. We were, we were in the middle of turkey seizing. We, we were going to, to kill the turkey, or we went and walked a whole lot in hopes of hearing one, and that didn't happen either. So I'm walking with this guy, and we're walking, and he stopped me. And we looked down. And there was about a, I don't know, 20-inch uh, copperhead curled up. And so, hey, I got turkey load. This ain't no big deal. Boom. <laughs> I ended his life, right? That's what you're supposed to do with snakes when you see them. And I thought, I asked that guy, because I didn't know they did this. I said, why, why, do, why, did that, why was that copperhead curled up and waggling his, wiggling his tail like that? He said, because he's trying to, he's trying to look like a rattlesnake. He's trying to look bigger than he is. The same story is this water snake coming by. And I said, look at that. That's a moccasin, man. He's like, no, no. that's no, just a water snake. He's flattening his head on the ground. Because he's trying to look bigger than he is. In Genesis chapter 3, we see the serpent come. And we see him deceive man and woman. And we see the fall of man. But watch this right there in the very beginning. Even though the serpent was posing to be something that he wasn't. Just like the viper came out of the fire to try to accomplish something that he can't. In the beginning, man falls, but God had a plan. Listen to me. Listen, listen, listen. Every time that you struggle with something, God has a plan. Every time that something hurts you or distracts you or discourages you, God has a plan. Every time that something crushes you so badly on the inside that it begins to express itself in tears. You need to remember that the Bible says that there are things that are sown in the kingdom of God because of the tears of man. I'm telling you that every time that the enemy comes to harm you, God wants to use it to heal. And that which you were going through doesn't have to be what you continue in because God has a plan every time the serpents are posers and they'll strike at your heel but you have the authority to blow their stinking head off with turkey load you know what i'm saying it's that same illustration just because you are somewhere doesn't mean that you have to stay in that place what was meant for harm god uses to heal pastor john if you'll come join me I love the way one of my friends said this at one time. you know when you as pastors we we listen to a lot, we study a lot, and then we go to these conferences and we hear people say things and and then for the first couple of times that we heard them we say so and so um, said at this conference this and then like maybe a couple of months down the road, we say, "I heard somebody say such and such at one time, and then finally we just say, "You know I've always said." <laughs> That's kind of one of these things that I'll I'll never forget. God allows, listen, God allows our setbacks to coordinate our comebacks. I'll never forget a man named Tim Bach was preaching. I always give him credit for this, God help me. He was preaching a, a camp where I was a youth leader. I didn't know what I was doing. I shouldn't have been there. I shouldn't have been a youth leader. But I was willing and I really wanted to be used by God. Did you know that you don't have to be um, Bible college trained? You don't have to have like a bottle that is that got like lions or something on it. And, and we ordered off of Amazon and filled it with oil and stuff. You don't have to have all that. You can just be there and be available. And stay the course and be steadfast. And stable. It's okay to be emotional. God created emotions. those are good. It's just not okay for your faith to be based on your feeling or your emotions. It's not okay for somebody else's experience to be based on your emotions. Other people should not be affected by your negative emotions. I can't do it. It's hard. It's hard to be steadfast. Anybody can be emotional. That's easy. That's why I like football. I'm going to be an idiot for the next three hours. Ah! Love that game. You run through stuff to get to the field. I mean, come on. It's paper, but everybody shouts like you ran through a brick wall. You get on the other side, you're like... ah! going to hit people smaller than me because <laughs> I'm a senior and they're not <laughs> but Tim Bach back to camp because I wasn't in a place where I felt like I was bigger than everybody else I was in a place where I felt like everything else was bigger than me And Tim Bach said, the pain of your past will position you for the purpose of your future. Simply put, he just said, your pain can position you for God's purpose. Because what was meant to harm, God uses to heal. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7, it says, in Him... We have redemption through his blood. That doesn't make any sense. If you don't understand that what was meant for harm, God uses to heal, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, the crucifixion, watching his son be crucified, was the riches of his grace. If you don't understand that what is harming you is meant to use you to be healed and to heal others. If you don't understand that the pain that you're going through currently is positioning you for the purpose that God has for you in the future. If you don't understand that God will allow a setback in your life so that He can partner with you and coordinate a comeback in your life, then you can't look at the cross and go, wow, look at the riches of His grace. But if you understand that, then you understand that every place that Jesus bled is a place that we're redeemed. Watch this. Where did Jesus first bleed? by himself lonely and alone in a garden knowing what was about to happen anxiety consuming him to the point where the bible says that he began to sweat blood so every time that you're in your closet alone and you have anxiety and fear because you're in a place in life that feels like it's bigger than you, then you need to remember that Jesus was alone in the garden. He sweat blood for your anxiety. Hang on, watch this. The next place. The Bible says he was beaten and bruised for our iniquity. You've put yourself in a situation that you never should have been because of the choices that you made. It's okay. Because Jesus was tied to a stump and he bled on the outside and he was bruised on the inside. The next place that Jesus bled was when they placed a crown of thorns on his head. Remember, every time that man falls, God has a plan. And in the very beginning, God told Adam, it was by the sweat of your brow that you will now make a living. But Jesus put a crown of thorns on his head to redeem mankind, to be able to work, to thrive. Even when we're sweating and we're miserable. Do you find it any just happenstance that people can graduate college in an air-conditioned building and make multi-millions of dollars on one app, that would have never happened before the cross because Jesus had not yet bled from his brow and redeemed the curse that had to be pronounced. The next place that he bled was when he was laid on the cross and a nail went in this hand and a nail went in that hand. Both fully God and fully man. He bled from each hand that represented 100% of who he was and he bridged the gap for God and man. On his feet, He bled so that the church could be the feet of his gospel. Finally, he was pierced from his side and blood and water came out because he was dead in sin. Every place that Jesus bled, is a place that we're redeemed. You know, I love to watch my wife with our children because it's it's hilarious to me. Because she's she's more like a a hovercraft or, or a helicopter over my over my children. Like I'll let them venture a little bit. You know, I'm still watching them, sort of. Mostly, the scripture says unless. Uh, The Lord guards the city. The watchman stays awake in vain, right? So I'm I'm watching them. I'm watching them. She's more like a a school teacher on a field trip. Okay, she's like with the kids all the time, right? I'm kind of more like a tour guide. Like, come with me at your own risk. (laughs) She watches them and And she waits, and and we'll have these conversations, and and it'll be like, Chris, he's going to fall. And I'm like, well, if he does, he ain't going to do it but once, right? He ain't going to get up there again if you let him fall. Chris, she's going to burn her hand. Well, if she does, she's only going to do it once, and then she won't touch it next time. Chris, she doesn't want to wear that. Well, she's going to wear it this once. (laughs) She really wants to wear those shorts. Well, she ain't wearing them this once. He won't touch it again because he'll only have to do it once. I want you to envision with me this morning as we're closing. All the elders, all the angels watching Jesus in the garden and they're going God do you not see him why don't you help go down there he's he's doing something his body's not even built to do right now God are you watching this they're dragging him away because remember only God knows all things They're watching him be drugged, and then they're watching him be beaten on the post, and they're going, God, why don't you do something? Move, do something. They're beating your son. And then they watch him drag the cross up the hill. And they watch him be mounted on it by his hands and his feet. And they're going, God, why are you letting him do this? They watch the Roman soldier pierce his side. And they're saying, God, Father, what are you doing? Why are you letting him do this? And God looks back and says, because he's only going to have to do it one time. In three days, he's going to raise from the grave. In three days, every debt's going to be paid. In three days, your healing's gonna be atoned. In three days, what was meant to harm you, God's gonna use to heal you. I'm telling you that because of one man's sin, all were condemned, but because of one man's obedience, many will be made righteous in Jesus' name. That is available to you and to me because God had a plan. Would you stand with me this morning? God said what was meant to hurt and harm my son is going to be used to redeem and heal many sons. Would you just bow your head and close your eyes this morning right where you are? Are you in the room today and Jesus is calling you? He's stirring in your spirit. Come back to me or come to me. I love you so much. I gave you everything that I had. And all I want in return is you and everything that you have. If I'm talking to you today and you want to be included in this prayer here in just a minute, would you say, Pastor, that's me. I need to dedicate my life completely to Jesus. I have not been following Him and I want to start today. I want to follow Him because I understand in a renewed way what he did for me. Would you just lift your hand right where you are? Nobody's looking around. I see you. I see you. Thank you. I see you. Anybody else? That's me. I want to follow him with everything that I am. I don't want to just repent that once. I want to continue to repent because I want others to see the repentance in my life and be encouraged by it and do the same. Anybody else? Am I talking to you? As the Holy Spirit, I see you. I see you. Is the Holy Spirit talking to anybody else today? I see you. I see you. I see you. If you have your hand raised, I'm looking at you. Let me ask a second question this morning. Are you in the room today and you feel like that there are things in your life that are bigger than you? Maybe they're even hurting you. You feel like they're holding you back. They're latched on to your hand or they're even harming you. But today the Holy Spirit spoke to your heart and reminded you that was meant what was meant to harm you. God is going to take that circumstance, and you want us to believe and agree together today with you that he is going to use that to not only heal you, but everybody under your influence. If I'm talking to you, I want you to throw your hand in the air and say, that's me, that's me, that's me. I see you, I see you. Anybody else? Come on, we're going to all pray together. I see you. I want you to look this way. We have that altar time in the middle of service, and we don't always press to make that altar time happen here because we don't want this to be the end all for you. We want it to be the send off for you. We want you to learn how to build altars where you are and have moments like Jesus had Knowing that your relationship with Him is not based on this pastor, this staff, or this specific altar. But it's based upon your willingness to repent and keep on repenting. To stay steadfast and stable. But today it has to start somewhere. And we want to agree right now with you. That it would start right where you're standing. And that it would not stay here but that it would go with you. Church, would you pray this prayer with me? If you raised your hand this morning, I want you to give everything that you have. Focus your heart upon Jesus and know that he hears you this morning. Pray this prayer out loud with us. Jesus, forgive us for where we've fallen short. For where we've been distracted. Even discouraged. At times, we've even stopped. Help us to commit today to follow you with all of our hearts, save us, redeem us, and use us to accomplish your will in our lives and everybody around us. We believe together that what was meant to harm, you can use to heal. In Jesus' name. Come on, would you stand right where you are and just hold your hands out like I'm presenting you a present. Father, I thank you for these people. Lord, I thank you for their families and their friends. I pray that you would bless them, that your face would shine upon them, and that you would be gracious to them. Lord, lift up your countenance upon them and let them start something that doesn't stop at the end of this prayer, but that it launches them into a lifestyle of liberty that other people are drawn to because of the light that you have inside of them, especially when things are difficult. God, I pray this morning that we would be bold, powerful, loving, and self-controlled people. God, above all, help us to be obedient to your will and to walk in your ways. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for being here today. Meet someone that you don't know before you leave here today. Introduce yourself. Church, do a great job making everybody feel welcome. In Jesus' name, God bless you.